You lived in a world where your entire life was controlled down to how you think, you speak, you believe, you dress, and all else in between. Then as soon as you get away from that reality, your emotions are so conditioned that they begin to control you too. So you start to run, hide, bury, or live within them in an anxious and hyper-aware way. Your behavior stemming from your emotions, which is still damaged, still in need of so much care, still attached to a space that has caused so much survival mentality from you. You don't even know who you are and what you like. Your identity was unable to grow your entire life. Now you sit in a space where you slowly see yourself making your own decisions from how to dress to what to believe in. You are now gaining control. You are now in control and no one else can take that from you. Hey, beautiful people, and thank you so much for joining This Is How You Heal's episode this week. My name is Yara, and I will be your host. I am a clinical mental health counselor, life coach, poet, artist, and all-over creative soul here to invite you into a transformative space where healing, personal development, and growth are all laid into our foundation. Today is going to be a really quick episode. We're going to talk about growing out of a toxic space and gaining control over ourselves, our identity, and our life. So as a first-generation American, I think something that I've always found was this idea of like identity and what to identify as and what I can and what I can't identify as based off of the community that I come from or the religion that I come from. And honestly, just like being told what is and isn't okay in terms of like who I can be and who I can't be. And when you think about that, it's kind of sad because like that's showing that acceptance is very conditional, which led to love being very conditional. Like I will love you unless you are this, unless you do this, unless you dress like this, unless you believe in this, unless you talk to, you know, talk to you know, this or whatever it may be. Um, And, you know, as we know, like true love is unconditional. True connection is unconditional. There's, there's no reason to set conditions on something that is so abundant and something that is so natural. So when I think about a lot of these toxic spaces that take control over us, as child to immigrants or or not, it doesn't matter, like if you come from a survivalistic um, childhood, in space where like your folks were also going through survival mode and that happens a lot for a lot of black and brown communities um there's a space of like how do i figure out who i am outside of what i was told and taught and one thing that a teacher of mine or a mentor of mine uh, a few years ago told me that the reason why our parents in our community act the way that they do is because they're so afraid of us as their children losing our culture and who we are that they used fear to instill it within us and that in itself was really toxic um, and then coming from traumatized people they will share that trauma they will you know let that trauma out because you know that's all they knew how to do which isn't an excuse. But what my mentor was saying one time was, you know, Islam, like, okay, so I grew up as a Muslim. 
And for the longest time, I would always ask, like, why is, like, my teacher telling me if I do this, I'm going to go to hell? Why is, you know, um, you know, why are they saying, like, if I'm wearing, like, tight pants, like, that I'm, you know, just, like, really minuscule things. And I just kept asking, I'm like, well, why is God so, like, intense and angry about the little things? And that really kind of pushed me away from the religion. And I didn't want to be pushed away from the religion, but it, it, it did happen. Um, and I, I still believe in God. Like I told myself, I'm like, I'm still a believer of God, but something isn't right about this. And I know this holds truth to not just Muslims, but for other people of the Abrahamic religions that you grew up in the church or the synagogue or the mosque. And there were spaces of like the believers that will kind of push this narrative onto you. And if you don't fit within that bubble that they've created, then you're a sinner or you're evil or you're bad or you're not okay you're not good enough and then that kind of develops into our negative core wounds and we kind of operate from a space of like guilt and shame which is a topic that we're going to talk about in a later episode guilt and shame I will touch on it a little bit but when I think about what my mentor said about what Islam is comprised of I'm going to use Islam because obviously that's the religion that I have the most um understanding of but she said islam is comprised of three parts there's one the aqidah aqidah just means like saying and believing in one god and prophet muhammad is his messenger that's one like every muslim will have to say something where they say um which literally translates to i believe in one god and muhammad is his messenger cool that we got that down that's baseline that's foundation part two is something called fiqh fiqh is the uh the practice like the how-to like the when you pray you need to pray like this when you fast you need to fast like this um it's like the guidebook like the actions that come along with your belief and then there's ihsan ihsan is like like I don't know, every time I think of Ihsan, I think of like the spiritual aspect of the religion, like the um, the heart space, the soul space. And with our community, um, the older generation, they're the first ones here. They're the first ones here in America. They're the first ones that are trying to like build this like American dream over here. So when they came here or they were forced here, there was this sense of I'm terrified to lose my religion and my identity and who I am and where I come from and I'm in this foreign country and I want to make sure that my kids are connected to this as well and I don't want them to lose their religion because my religion is everything. So I'm going to use the fiqh, the practice, the you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. like they instilled that in us and they completely forgot about the ihsan they completely forgot about the part that's like where's the heart in it where's the soul in it and that's why we have folks talking about being in like sunday school and saturday school or like just if you went to like a religious school period where it was very fear-based and it was like if you don't do this you're gonna go to hell if you don't do that you're gonna and it's like okay like you're telling about the practice but when i start asking why like why is it an issue like, why am I not allowed to ask these questions? And that's how you kind of can differentiate, like, who you want to actually listen to. Because there were a lot of teachers and a lot of mentors um, that I met along my journey 
um, that helped me strengthen my spirituality and helped me strengthen in, in the context of Islam, like finding spirituality within Islam was one of the most amazing journeys that I was able to find. But when you look at why they do what they do in the way that I explained it, I hope that kind of gives some context as to why that happens. Now, there's a sense of control. If we can tell you how to act and if we can tell you how to think and we can tell you to do all these things, it may come from an anxiety space. But when you think about it, it also comes from a space of like, this is how you control the masses. Um, and when you look at like, if I can control your identity, I can control your sense of self. But we're not going to get into that. We're going to continue talking about coming from a space of a toxic space that had complete control over you. So imagine being really young and being told like, you know, you have to do da 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 X, Y, and Z. And this is what you can think. And this is what you can believe. And this is how you can dress. And this is who you can talk to. And this is who you can't talk to. And this is... So when you start doing things outside of that bubble you're going to get vilified, you're going to get shamed, you're going to be made to feel guilty, you're going to have love taken away from you, you're going to have a lot of these emotional, um, emotionally abusive tactics against you. And that causes a lot of, a lot of pain and a lot of trauma, especially when it comes from your caregivers or your community or broader community, the spaces that are supposed to be safe for you. And now when you look at who is perpetuating this, you see that they're coming from a space of survival mode, but then you also think of like, what was the reason of having these children? Like, was this part of your story of like, okay, well, I was told like, you know, I'm going to get married and I'm going to have kids. That's just what we do. So you get married and you have kids and now you're in this foreign country and you don't know how to how to survive and you realize the American dream is is a fake story that was sold to us and and it was a way to bring us here for our labor and for, you know, all the other things. And now your children become your survival tool. You start using your children as survival tools. They're no longer children. They are now your American dream. They are your retirement plan. They are your emotional and mental um, uh, support system. They are your financial support system. Or they're your way for to, to show off who you are and how good of a, a Muslim you are or a Arab you are or a whatever community that you come from. It's like, yeah, well, my daughter or my son or, you know, they, they do da-da-da-da-da. And then that way it can continue to, like, play into this like cultural toxic cultural um piece that we see in a lot of communities of like talking shit about each other and like talking shit about each other's families or like did you see what she did did you see oh i heard she was doing that and like aunties are getting into it like uh you know uncles are getting into it like grown folks are just talking about each other's kids and then the kids start talking about each other's kids and then they're talking about each other's friends and everybody's talking about each other and then it's like do y'all even like yourselves at this point like let's talk about it for real do you even have any control over your own identity because when you don't have control over your own identity then you're going to try to control somebody else's and that's what we fall into with the whole backbiting and gossiping and talking. So it's just like, why? Why are you so bored? And why are you, you have no control over yourself. So it's just easier to kind of like 
look at somebody else and vilify them because it feels better than to have that negative space on you. And then when you look at like the parents that do this, having that control over their child, it ensures this narrative in their head that like, yes, I'm going to, you know, maintain their religion and maintain their, their cultural identity, even in this country. And then that's when fear is instilled and, and fear is used as a tool to keep you in a space that they think is helpful, but really it's, it's you're not being taken care of. It's not lovable. Love is very conditional. The love becomes very traumatic. Then that's when religious abuse comes in and spiritual abuse comes in. It's like, I love you because you follow what I follow. I love you because you believe in what I believe. I love you because you take care of me. Instead of, I love you for who you are all the time, anytime. And when you're in that space, it's hard to recognize that you're in that space. And this is the second part of our of, of today's episode. But um, breaking out of that and recognizing how your emotions will start to control you. First, folks will control you. Then your emotions will control you. And then you will find a way of gaining control of yourself. But in the space of where your emotions control you, now you're out. Now you got out. You know, you're living alone, you're living with friends, you're, you're at, on a college campus, or you got a really great job, or you moved really far away, whatever it may be. And now the feeling of grief and shame are eating you alive. It breaks your confidence, loneliness, not being connected, isolation. Then you start recognizing the folks that are continuing to perpetuate this toxic behavior. So you start cutting people off who are toxic to you and hurting you. And you're learning to choose yourself and create your own identity on your own when you've never done this before. You ask questions, who am I? Like down to like, what's my aesthetic? What do I like wearing? How do I want to dress? What do I want to believe in? Well, okay, what kind, okay, what religion? Or maybe no religion. If I want to be spiritual, if I want to be atheist. All like so many avenues open up and it's so overwhelming and it's so scary but when you get to that space and you take it day by day and you start learning how to see yourself as like, I get to choose what I want. And then you start making those decisions and then all those emotions come up of like, well, I was told if I thought like this, then I was, you know, a bad person or I was a bad Muslim or I was going to go to hell. So then that's where the, you know, the, the shame and the guilt come in. You feel bad. You feel really bad because those internal pieces that were just sold to you time and time and time again, you've heard it your entire life. So you've heard it your entire life. You've wired your brain to believe the things that others put in your head. And it's no longer your voice. So when you have that ugly voice in your head, you think that it's yours, but it's not. It was conditioned there. It was placed there. Think of like a... Uh, a song on replay that's it's just going to keep going and going and going until it's like second nature to your brain to just go there so you have to now do the work of processing through your emotions because your emotions are going to be so amplified and they're not going to they're not going to disappear on their own they're going to come up in your behavior they're going to come up in your lack of behavior they're going to come up in the way that you view yourself they're going to come up in your relationships, whether you like it or not. You know, you can run away from your feelings or you think you can run away from your feelings until you realize that you can't. 
you are going to be so deep into the thick of it where you feel like you can't breathe until you realize that you really can. And when you're in that space of your emotions feeling like they have control over you, the thing that I learned was I just had to learn to let go. And letting go is not something that you're taught when you grow up in a space, a space like this. You learn that I need to be in control of everything. I need to know what's going to happen with everything. I need to know that every... That's where anxiety comes from. Why do you think our community is so anxious all the time? Why do you think anxiety is so rooted in spaces of collectivistic cultures that are deeply rooted in survival mentality? You get really anxious because you're always thinking of what's going to come next and making sure that you know everything is laid out the way it's supposed to be laid out. And the term supposed to be laid out is whatever narrative you created in your head. And now your child and, and your, you know, the, the youth of your community are not allowed to fall into their own identity of who they're supposed to be from their soul, from, from why they were brought down onto this earth to figure out. Now they have to fit into this narrative that you've created for them because in your head, that's what you think is right. And then that causes so much disconnect and then causes so much pain within communities. Instead of recognizing that this child, this, this young person in my community is a whole person. They're a whole ass person with feelings and, and, and uh, a life ahead of them that they get to choose, that they get to create. And when you build their emotional stability and their um, ability to create their identity from us from a young age, you're actually giving them the tools to kill it in this life. But when you do the opposite, you're causing a lot of problems for them. So then when they're out, when they get out, and then they, they lose the connection with you, and you start checking and saying, like, why isn't my child speaking to me? Why isn't this? Why isn't that? Why, why, is, why are all these people leaving our community? Why is no one coming to the mosque anymore? Why is this? Well, look at what you're causing. Look at what you're creating. Why would anyone want to be in a space like that? dysfunctional and chaotic and hurtful and painful you're using emotional manipulation and gaslighting and abuse to wep and you're weaponizing that against them and every time somebody chooses to be something it's so quick to say why it's wrong it's so quick to point a finger and now this person is sitting here a far away in isolation lonely confused where are my people? Where is my community? Where is my support? Why am I feeling like this? How do I develop my confidence? How do I do? So when you when when those feelings start coming up, and then you start asking yourself like, okay, how do I let go? Remember, I just said that, and then I kind of derailed. But how do I let go? And I can't really give you a specific answer because it's very different for everybody. But I, I can I can speak my truth and the way that I learned to let go was not setting any expectations and now we're kind of falling into the last part of of uh, the talk today of, of today's episode but learning to gain control of yourself right learning to gain control of yourself folks controlled you your emotions controlled you and now you're learning to gain control of yourself don't 
hurt yourself with expectations. When you expect somebody to accept you for who you are, when they have shown you time and time again that they cannot do that, and then every interaction you have with them, you're just so upset when they don't do what you wanted them to do, you're going to hurt yourself. It's going to kill you little by little each time. So when you put your emotional armor on, think of yourself actually before you go back into that space where it's like, you know what, I want to continue a relationship. I want to continue seeing these people. And sometimes it's cutting them out completely and never seeing them again if you know that it's going to be that abusive and that dangerous to be around them every single time. And sometimes you just need the space to be okay and heal and then go back into it. And when you do, you put that emotional armor on and you tell yourself, I am not going to have any expectations for how this person is going to treat me. If they say X, Y, and Z, if they say da 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 against me, then I am going to say this. I am going to do this. I'm going to get up and leave. I'm going, whatever it may be. That's one. Two, allow people to be dysfunctional and chaotic without you. Let them. You don't have to be in that space anymore. You don't have to pick up the pieces. Have enough self-respect to set boundaries and not let people bleed all over you. Work through your guilt and your shame, which has been weaponized against you for years. Work through that. You can do that by developing your own identity. Figure out how to love your body again. You know, for the longest time, like, I, okay, I grew up hearing it over and over again, like, hating who I was and how I looked like. Like that was a big thing for me, like gaining control over my myself and my body and my confidence. Um, things I've heard like, okay, I have uh, naturally curly hair. Like my hair is probably like a, a 3B, 3C. Um, if you're from the curly community, you know what that means. Basically it just means I have tight curls. And that wasn't accepted in my community, like at all. Growing up, I heard it, time and time again straighten your hair your hair looks so much better straightened um your hair they would call me a hula and a hula means like monster and like I had like really toxic friends with their toxic parents call me that I've been called that by teachers and family members from like a very young age like very very young like I remember the earliest time like of being conscious about it like four or five years old um I'm naturally thicker. My body is not skinny. And being in families, in a family where like a lot of the women in my family are naturally skinnier that were around me, I heard it so many times that like I shouldn't love my body and that I should go on a diet. Or, you know, when I did lose a little bit of weight, they were like, oh my God, you look amazing. And I would ride that high until it was like, oh my God, you've gained so much weight. Like, you know, nashane, like you got chubby. And it's like constantly, like from such a young age, I've been told like how to not love my natural self, that what I wasn't was better. So I tried to be those things. So you should have seen me through high school. Girl, if you were in high school, I I was changing my hair color. I had the extensions. I was flat ironing it, silk presses, whatever I had to do to make sure that I looked like a lot of the girls that were in my school so I wouldn't have to hear it. That's what I was doing. It took me a long time to reconnect with my body. I started doing yoga and finding a space of like, let me not try to lose weight. 
but try to connect to myself, connect to my femininity. Because I felt for so long I was in my masculine energy in survival mode. So like to be feminine felt like to be in control of my body. And that meant to be in control of my body meant to let go. And to let go, like yoga felt like that. I got to stretch and release. And there was so much built up trauma in my body. And there still is that I'm like just letting go of every time. And I get to be feminine. Like I don't, there's something about it that just feels really, really good. And it feels like I'm gaining control of myself. Developing my identity based off of what I choose to wear and not caring what people have to say because a lot of the times people that do talk shit about like the choices that you make down to like how you choose to like um, follow or practice a religion or lack of following a religion or like how you choose to dress and if it's different than how they think. They're going okay the the healed people the healthy people are gonna be like oh that's different all right bet like that's cool. Like, if somebody were to tell me this is what I think, this is what I believe in, I was like, oh, cool, thank you for sharing. That's really interesting, and I love to know. But then people that are threatened by it are usually the ones that are still trapped in that bubble and still don't have full control over themselves. So remind yourself that people will only meet you as far as they met themselves. But thank you so much for today. That's the end of our episode. I know this one was a little bit shorter than usual. I'm sorry that it took so long. But uh, next week, I will hopefully continue the attachment versus love with a part two. Thank you for tuning in and have a great day.